Owen John, and we are talking Manhattan, and today we got Brian Meyer of Corcoran. Thank you for coming. Well, I'm happy to be here. He's a, Brian's a top agent in this field, and you've been in this since 2000? 2001? 2001, right after 9-11. Wow. Right after September 11th. That's the time to start. <laughs> so you've got 18 years of experience of doing a ton of deals. The purpose of this show is to extract the insights that you're seeing in the field real time because people are confused with what's going on out there. So let's just cut right to the chase. What's happening? I mean, the market's changed a lot over the last 12 months. As you know, the market softened greatly in 2018. When I mean softened, not just talking about prices, but the quantity of deals, buyers are very reluctant. What I've been seeing the last two weeks are buyers are swinging swing back into the market. Yeah. Um, my open houses are busier again. Where we're getting one to two people in an open house. We're getting double digits in many open houses right now. I have... I think I have about 18 listings in the market right okay. now. I was just going to ask you, so you got 18 listings. So you, so so you have a good 18. breadth of scope here. Yeah. Something about them. And they, they range from like 10 million to 300,000. So it's covers the full market. Half of those apartments have offers on them. Mm-hmm. Of half of those, half, a quarter of the apartments have more than one offer. Right. Of one apartment with five offers on it right now. Are these listings that were on the market for a, a sustained period of time and they just didn't sell and now all of a sudden we're getting activity? Or are these brand new listings that you bought on the market in the last two weeks? Both, both. Okay. Much of the latter. Many apartments that were on the market previously or on the market for, I'd say, about a year's length. Mm-hmm. and. With this, I'm going to call them getting into a new market maybe. I don't know if we can jump away and say it's a new market where buyers are coming out. Mm-hmm. They're now getting offers. But also we've done price reductions. Right. So I think that's what the buyers are seeing as well, that, that either the new property you're putting on is at a more reasonable price. Right. Um, and the property's been sitting, has come down a price. Right. And this is a seasonal marketplace. I mean, this typically is the time of year where we start to see actually the buy-side activity start. Last year, I don't think it happened. We almost skipped the seasonality. We're in bonus season, right? But you have to think about it. Look at the stock market in the last year. The volatility. Right. Hopefully, those bankers are getting bonuses based on the volatility, which right. is usually what happens. And they're going to be out there spending their money. Right. At the same time, those people getting the money might not want to be deferring it to stock options or putting it back into the market because right. that has volatility and it's been right. going down. So hopefully, they're putting their money into residential real estate. Right. Do you find that the buyers are, are still cautious or they're just, I mean, these buyers that are putting bids in, are they your clients or are they just brand new clients that are showing up at your listings or a combination of both? combination of both. Okay. So I think buyers are still cautious, but they're not as cautious. Gotcha. I mean, 12 months ago, if the flea fell in an apartment, they said we can't buy. Like any, right. They would look for a reason not to buy. Right. Now it's more, we, we're still cautious. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want to lose out. But at the same time, we realize these prices aren't going to be this low in 12, 24 months. So, all right. All right. So, yeah. this is very important. And I so, think there's a lot of comfort for buyers to see an apartment with other offers on it. Suddenly, that sort of gives it value. When you that, walk the into an open house yeah. and there's a dozen people there, yeah. you, you get confidence. Yeah. And that's something that we haven't had in the last year, year and a half. I mean, there's been no urgency going on out there. I, are buyers starting to realize it? I mean, are buyers finally starting to get it that, this, that prices are down? It's a good time. Yes. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, they are starting. Right. It's not fully there yet. It's, right. But but it's which is which is a good time. Right. It's a good time for a buyer because once two things happen, like I, I feel in two months, all buyers will know that it's time to buy. Right. And and what happens then is you number one you have competition. Right. And then sellers start getting confidence. Right. The the bottom of the market doesn't last that long. Right. It's it's not a flat thing like this. It goes like this yeah. very quickly. You can't time it. There's no way to time it as yeah. a buyer. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, it was like one day in 2008 when that market turned, and you went from you know, no offers, and then all the buyers wanted to come out, yeah. and then sellers know it. And once sellers have confidence, it's not a buyer's market anymore. 
Right. And I mean, we just launched this new market pulse chart and it's basically a um, inverse ratio of um, pending sales to active inventory. And what I like about it is it's just basically giving you the breadth of market leverage. That's basically what it's showing you is where where's the leverage and the higher the number goes, the leverage is on the sell side and the lower it goes, it's on the buy side. And it looks like we peaked in fall of 2013. So you, you recall those periods, right? yeah. 2013, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sell side market completely, right? Yeah. Now we're the other side of the spectrum. And this chart shows that and it actually bottomed out about two months ago at 0.35, which is a very, very weak number. And it's starting to come up. So I'm wondering if the data is starting to actually reflect what you're saying here. I mean, it's the only thing we got. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I do think probably about two months ago is when buyers started coming out. Right. But it's been in the last couple weeks. And I think it's going to keep going. I think for the next two months. Right. I'm not going to say values are going to go up at all. Right. But I'm going to say I think a lot more deals are going to happen. Right. In, in the, the, the first quarter of this year rather than the third quarter of 2018. You know, you said something very, very important before. The bottom doesn't last long, the exact bottom. And that's so true because all it takes is a month or two of activity. And then all of a sudden, the, the, like you said, the options that are on the open market and the activity completely shifts course. And the options go down, the activity goes up. And then all of a sudden, sellers realize that and everything kind of changes. And then buyers just wish it was back to where it was a couple of months ago. <laughs> I have so many clients that regret not buying in a market. I have so many clients that regret not buying in, in 2008, 2009, when, when the prices were low. Don't really have any clients that regret buying. Right. But yeah, that's yeah. That, that stuff. And I'm, I'm and the things I'm telling the clients. I think you don't. I don't want to go through what I went through in 2010, right. which is clients going, "Oh, I can't get that, but I could have last year." Right. And that's just that's just a horrible feeling, and it's a horrible situation because as a broker, you can't reproduce that. Right. You can't you can't reproduce prices yeah. that were last year's prices. And let's face it, as brokers, it's tough for us to to. I mean, consumers just think that we're Pollyannas forever, right? We just say, "Hey, now's a good time to buy. This is a good option." Like, oh, I've heard that before. It's hard for us to kind of. Uh, um, get that reputation that we're really telling you the truth and this is really what we think. Yeah. I just want to switch to the sell side. I'm just curious what the conversation with sellers are in this kind of possibly transitioning market that might be sort of bottoming out, tipping back up. Are you changing your conversation or do you basically have the same sort of so pricing conversation? I had a pretty basic conversation with sellers last year. In 2008, the conversation was if you don't need to sell, might not be the best time to sell. Okay. That was across the board. Now it's, let's look at the situation. If you're, you, this apartment you, we have would be right for the market right now, and we can get more now today than we could have gotten yesterday if we act the right way on it. Okay. Where I'm still having conversations, depending upon the product, um, maybe it's waiting out another year. Like mm -hmm. I'm a few owners that are in a certain price range in a certain neighborhood that I'm saying we should still lease the property for another 12 months before we put it on the market. But that's not everything right now. Right. How is the rental market doing, by the way? It's strong. Right. I, f I find it strong. So we rent out about 100 apartments a year. Mm -hmm. um, last month we rented an apartment for 25000 an apartment for 2500 Are there still concessions being offered on the sell side? Yeah. So it's still very friendly for buyers? Uh, for renters. I'm sorry, for yeah. renters. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's... It, it's friendly. So concessions probably on properties below eight thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. You're seeing concessions and on properties above that, uh, lower valuations. Gotcha. So like, we we just re rented an apartment. Unfortunately, that we rented in the past for eighteen thousand. It's now been rented for fourteen thousand five hundred. Mm -hmm. Townhouse rented for twenty thousand. They previously rented for I think twenty two thousand. So people on the higher end are getting a, a, a much better deal. And then on on the, on the let's say below five thousand. Which across the whole country, for most of the country, that's still the high end. But in right. New York City, it's the lower end. Um, they're getting uh, no fees and maybe a free month of rent. Gotcha. 
Um, I'm seeing median listing discount trends right here. Sellers are going down, looks like five and a half percent. This is from original ask. So we don't do last ask, we do original ask. So basically from their start point to when they get the contract, they're down five and a half percent. Have you had recent sellers that you just put the listing on and it's like less than seven days, have they fought you on the price, on the price strategy or, or what are they telling, are they listening to what you're telling them that the market is different? Well, I mean, it depends, I mean, every situation is different. Right. I mean, it's a tough question to answer because right. If we just put in the market so it's brand new and we're getting an offer quickly, the scenario is, let's say it's, it's below, it's 10% below market mm -hmm. and I'm suggesting them to be aggressive on it and they're feeling that it's not time to be aggressive. I have that situation because I've been through 18 months of pain, let's right, say, right. and they haven't and maybe in this scenario the buyer is a very well qualified buyer. Um, also, many sellers don't identify when you get an offer 10% below the original ask, the right. asking price. Doesn't mean you're selling it at ten percent. Right. You're selling it maybe five percent, four percent, three percent less. Right. Um, and you need to engage quickly on that on that offer to get it. Plus, what's happening right now too is, banks are friendly, but I'm finding that banks are not as friendly, of course, as they were ten years ago. Co-op boards are a little bit more conservative. So, in a market where you do not have an overabundance of buyers, if we have a very qualified buyer, I might urge a seller, especially a seller that has very high needs to sell mm -hmm. to maybe be more negotiable with a higher qualified buyer right. so, we have, so we have a confident deal moving forward. Gotcha. Um, you do a lot of co-op deals? A lot of co-op deals. Have you experienced any boards that are getting more a little conservative now than they yeah. had in the past? What about in terms of the price? Have they had any situations yeah. where the board's like, ah, everything looks great, but the price is just a little too low? I mean, I dealt with that in 2009. Two deals yeah. last month in January that we had board rejections on. Mm -hmm. We got both of them turned around. All we did was increase the price. Same buyer. And they gave you no reason, of course, right? They're not going to no set reason. themselves up for I'm not going to say the address is, of course, here. Of course, yeah. Right. But all we did was increase the purchase price. Mm -hmm. Same and quality buyer. It, it was, was the same buyer. It was the same buyer. Buyer got a rejection. Mm -hmm. We turned around the rejection by going back to the board, not resubmitting the package, but right. saying the new price is, we increased the price 5%, both deals 5%. The seller then gave a 5% concession at closing, back, which is completely legal, Right. 5% back to the buyer. Mm -hmm. So there was no real I mean, higher transfer tax, Right. you know, a higher higher basis for the right. buyer for, for when they sell the property. But ultimately the deal's pretty much at the same level it was prior. It and just it looks through. differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was probably a little bit, I mean, for the buyer was a little better because now they can leverage a little more because right. the, the, the price is a little bit higher. Um, but they were less qualified of a buyer because their DTI would have been lower because they're leveraging more. Right. But that's what, so in my opinion, the board all cared about that price. Right. But outside of that, I see co-op boards just becoming a little bit more conservative right. in general. There's an article that the real deal had, I think it was a real deal, saying that some boards are trying to be more negotiable, more open-minded right. because the new type of buyer out there is not as black and white on paper as as they were previously, they're self-employed more, money comes from different avenues, so they have to more move with the times. But I'm seeing over the last 12 months, co-ops co that are traditionally liberal mm -hmm. are now being more con conservative. Right. And a very good friend of mine who's a very a, a big manager that does a lot of bills through his office, thousand deals a year, says he's seeing more board rejections in the last year than he's seen in the business. This is someone who's been working there for 30 years. Right. Now, have you experienced this in prior, like 2016, 2015, 2017, have you experienced these these kind of situations or it's pretty much in the last 12 months? So, not the abundance of it. I mean, okay. there's always conservative boards. Right. Um, listen, as a broker, we want boards to be liberal. So right. we're always pushing for that. 
Um, we want deals to happen. We want the market to operate how it's supposed to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But at, at, at the same time, I've not seen this push to conservativeness in some time. Gotcha. Um, new devs? What are you thinking in the new dev market? How are those guys doing? <laughs> it's a you rolled your head a little bit. <laughs> it's a tough. I mean, it's a tough market right. for, for, for that. I mean, costs for de development. I mean, there's two things we're talking about: people who are looking to do developments. I mean, playing on the market four years from now, and, and developments that have been sitting unsold for the last year. Right. Developers have a hard time right now because the cost of development is up. Yep. <laughs> the cost of acquisition is about the same, maybe yeah. a little bit down from what it was, but not much. And the rules are harder. Right. That's why everyone's running to, uh, to these. Um, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot the term. The and the 421A is not the opportunity zones. You mean opportunity zones? Yeah. Because they have to do something. Right. I have developers that did high end condos that are trying to do Section Eight right now. Right. Because they have to, they have to build. That's what they do for a living. They yeah. have to develop. It's hard to find it. 421As, as you're about to say, right. I mean, you got to do 80-20s, and, and, and so you have to do a moderate, a portion of the building has to be moderate income, right. which just brings down your sellout cost. Right. So I've sat in these development meetings with developers where they're sitting and with these major charts figuring out, all right, we'll, we'll save this on the taxes, we'll get a higher sellout, but we'll get a lower sellout for this 20%. Right. Um, like East, East New York has great 421A options, but they're looking for 70, and it all depends on the product and where you're, where you're building. Right. 70, 30 buildings, 60, right. 40 buildings. When you're building lower income, you're selling plus. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm looking at this market pulse chart, which again, it's a, that's my standard I like to look at. It's at 0.31. So you got the market at 0.41, which is the you know, higher number's better. And, and this new and recent development, we're at 0.31. So it is showing it's still kind of down there, which is why I'm so interested in that. You know, I just think now's the time. If you're going to be buying a new development, but buyers say, a lot of buyers say, well, let's so new, look at the new developments I've been sitting for a year or two and they haven't sold. A lot of new right. developments have been successful. They're priced right. And if you're priced right at the new development, you're selling. We have a new development at 61 Martens that came in the markets a few months ago where 33% sold out in 60 days. Mm -hmm. so very happy and we're not the only one that's doing that. But the developments have been sitting for a year or two. Buyers will come and say, let's wait another year. The developer will drop prices 50%. I say to them, that's not... That's not true. It's yeah. not really the case quite often because as a developer, you have partners, you have investors, you have mezzanine financing, yeah. you have acquisition financing. If right, you get those loans, yeah. Their, their profit margins are very small. Whereas if you have an owner who bought in 1998 for $200,000 and they're asking a million dollars, they have a lot more leverage. They can right. also, they have maybe a personal reason why they have to get rid of the property. Right. Whereas a developer, it's all dollars and cents. And right. they will sit like, I mean, if you remember, 56 Leonard went through a foreclosure. They right. didn't sell out. Bank of America took him over. Walker Tower was a failed project. It sat for four years. The developer, Michael Sutton, decided not to put it on the market. It was right. a failed project. One of the best projects in New York City. Um, it, it made tons of money for its investors. But he sat on it for four years because he could, because the, right. the market wasn't ready. It was, it was during the crash. Right. So, but he didn't drop his prices. He right. sold out record prices. Do you have any idea how long the cycle might last for? I mean, there's talk of like four years, five years of supply, but I mean, I, I don't like to take that term and just say, okay, now that means the new development market's out of the case for four years. I don't think there's a well, supply new development is sort of a ambiguous number to begin yeah. with. So. Right. So, so, so you're seeing a cycle for new development in general? Or? I mean, I, I just happen to think if you look at this as a baseball game in terms of innings, right, and where we are in the cycle, I mean, I just have to think that we're seventh, eighth, ninth inning of the cycle. Like we're at the mature end of the cycle. I mean, no one knows exactly where it's gonna bottom out, but I mean, I just think we're closer to the end. I think, I think we're, I think we're closer to the eighth or ninth inning. Right, I that's, think that's what I'm saying. I think, 
I think we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see prices go down in the after after six months from now. I don't right. think we see prices go down. You might hear some stories about some develop some problems happening with development, one little niche section of the market, some prices going down. But I think I want to say the worst is behind us right. as far as as prices spotting out. But I think that we have a brighter future compared to compared to what we've seen in the past. And I just want to ask on the on the brighter future side. Do you, do you put any how much stock do you put in sort of the macro New York stories of Amazon coming or the L train not being shut down or some of these sort of global stories that aren't necessarily about a specific class of buyers but are about the city? Does that? Well, I think it affects us, but I think it affects us. Like, like let's take Amazon coming in with a 20, what, 23, 25,000 jobs. Yeah, 25,000. Probably end up being 100,000 jobs with all the other vendors for Amazon coming in, all the copycats coming in. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's great housing, but is that really going to affect Queens or is that going to affect Long Island? Right. They're going to be living where they're going to be living, and, and uh, but I do think it's gonna. I think it's affecting Long Island City right now, mm-hmm. as far as if people are speculative buying right there. And right. I think we're going to have that all over. Like when the Q train came in, a lot of speculative buyers were, Up were going to that area, yeah. um, and they and they and they still are. I think those small motions are going to keep going through. Um, through the city, like Lefferts Garden is starting to boom right now, just with a push for gentrification, and and that all started with uh, with King's Theater opening up. Right. Uh, I think we're always going to see. Now, Hudson Yards is about to. I mean, later this year, all those all those projects are going to come online. Yeah, they're going to start to come online for the next couple of years. So that's going to start to be developed also right around there, and we're going to get to some discovery. How is that going to affect the peripherals? Who knows? Yeah, you know. Um, any any potential predictions? Are you in the prediction game right here, or you don't even like to touch? If that? I knew what was going to happen going forward, I would be have a much more important job than I have. Right. That that's a very 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 good point. But um, I, I I do think two thousand for for a real estate broker. Right. I think that we'll have a as a real estate broker we'll have more we'll have a better two thousand nineteen two thousand eighteen. Only because I'm very certain that there'll be more transactions right. yeah. in 2019 than there were 2018. I guess I'm, I'm I'm looking at it on the type of the cycle, right? I mean, because we've had you've been in the business since 2001, right? Yeah, okay, right. so 18 years. So you've seen the September 11th dot com bust cycle. You've mm-hmm. seen the 2008 credit crisis cycle, and now you've seen this cycle. And I mean, would you agree that this cycle was different than those other ones? Yeah. I mean, it was like a long, slow drip kind of thing. It was, it was long people. So I mean, it was, I mean, 2007 was rough. Right. I'm going to meet owners, and it was, we lost our job. We're thinking of bankruptcy. Right. We lost 80% of our savings in the market. Like, it was horrific stories. I come home and, like, have my head down. It was, right. a, it was a rough situation. What do we, people ask me, what do we do? We're underwater. I was working for Bank of America as a foreclosure specialist, doing with their foreclosures. Right. Um, you must have seen some serious stuff back then. I had doors that were kicked in. Right. Um, from marshals. I mean, I don't, like stuff you see on on on, on, on TV on document. Like, it, it it was a rough time. That's not the case here. People right. have jobs. People can pay their mortgage. That's why it's a slow drip. Right. Because of what's paying. Like, why do I'm going to go with this analogy? Like, why do what areas gentrify quickly because they're 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 poor neighborhoods. That can take an influx of money and change rapidly. Areas like Windsor Terrace, if Brooklyn don't gentrify quickly because it's a, a, a medium income neighborhood. Right. When you have a, a market like this, which wasn't a crash really, where people were losing money in their jobs and they weren't underwater, you didn't couldn't see it happen that quickly. Right. So it was sort of a slow band-aid being right. pulled off. But I do think we're towards towards the end of it, mm-hmm. mainly because. The, the buyer pool is financially capable of buying right now. Banks are lending. Right. Um, they're coming in with more aggressive features for buyers. Um, the stock market has turned and probably will flatten. So we're a better avenue where people can still buy real estate at a four or five cap rate right. for, the, for the investors. 
whereas it was a two three cap rate a couple yeah. a couple years ago. Right. So we have all those potential potential assets uh, coming back in, and with foreigners um, coming hope, supposedly coming back this year with the the value of the dollar changing compared to their currencies. Right. I think all those factors are going to lead to a very good two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I mean we took a little steam out of the bubble. I mean two thousand fifteen, we we all knew this was a little crazy. I mean eight out of ten deals were going into bidding wars. There was no options. Prices were just exploding. It was crazy. It was, I mean, I, I, I had buy, I'm primarily a buyer's broker. I don't transact anymore, but back then I was primarily a buyer's broker. And we had 15, 20 buyers at any given time, and every single one of them was screaming to get something. Yeah. And the majority of them were just were bidding within a day of something going on the market. And eight or nine out of 10 was like, sorry, we've already got 12 offers in. And I mean, it just became yeah, a we theme. We prepared before we even saw places. We have to remember like, that, that, that time, inventory was like half of what it was. Yeah, it was, you it was had so below 3,000. Every buyer, rates were rock bottom. So. So whether you're an end user, second home buyer, you're getting a great product rate, rate, and foreign nationals were everywhere. Right. You know, every section of foreign nationals were strong, except for the Australians. Dollar was right. weak back then. The Australian dollar was weak back then. But we had every section of, of foreign nationals coming in, but so ev every sector of buyer it was, was, it was hot. a perfect storm. Yeah, know? and it was it was oh it was it was fun. I mean, yeah. it was like rock stars. Oh, that was great on the listing side. I mean, for yeah. the buyer yeah. side, I'm not gonna tell you it was brutal. <laughs> it was it was rough, but but the buyers had urgency. Yeah. The one thing now is like I'm I'm, I'm talking no to buyers where like they have great like great deals and I'm like talking to my wife like we need to buy this yeah because we don't why do we want a two bedroom co op in Brooklyn because oh, it's a great deal right. there's nothing we could do with it can't rent it out I'm like I know but it's just I just want to put like a baseball card I don't own it because it's such a great value right but buyers don't feel the loss like they they, they, they feel like it. Well, it, could it be doesn't take much to change. All it takes is missing out on one good property, right? Because, I mean, if there's certain attributes you're looking for, it's not like you have 35 options out there to choose from. You got way more options than you did three years ago, but yeah. you don't have 40 options to choose from mostly that has those combination of features. And you start losing one or two, and you start seeing a couple of key properties in your watch list go to contract, something tends to trigger in the buyer's head, and that urgency tends to come back a little bit. Well, even as Brian said, even as you said earlier, walking into an open house and seeing it crowded. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the biggest. I mean, I know brokers who always joke about like, bringing actors and stuff to open I was going to say, man, that's a good idea. I, just, <laughs> I don't know the, the ROI. So, is it, that, so you did that, that too? That, is that uh, what you were looking for? No. I <laughs> uh, remember the old sign in sheets used to, like, remember now we have all the apps, like, like, yeah. like the, all the apps that we use on, on the iPads, people sign in that way. But it used to be a list, yeah. and every broker would always like make three names, fake names, <laughs> beginning. So no one, so everybody would think they weren't the first one. People were there before, wait. Open house started at noon. It's like eleven fifty nine right now. How come I'm the fourth person to say anyone here? Dirty games. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's but buyers things with with like like with with the industry now. Buyers can tell if there's if there's yeah. activity on a listing. They can tell. They can tell by going open house. Street saves on street easy. Yeah. You know, you can, there's other attributes they can tell how quickly things are moving. They'll look at the, they're smart now. Buyers they go on streets and look at the comps and see if the comps sold in 15, 30 days. Right. So they can know they, their buyers have never been as intelligent as they are as they are right now. That's a great line. All right, so we're winding down here and let's just stick to the buyers and the sellers. Final thoughts: What would you tell your sellers right now in this market? I mean, be smart. If 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 you're a, a money seller, if you need to, if you want to sell because you're making a profit, and it's not your right time, and we think that the values are going to go up in a year, look at your other options: holding, leasing. If you are selling because the market's right for your sector, or because you have to sell, you need to be smart about it. Right. You don't overprice. Do not overprice. That's a killer right now. Okay, and let's say I'm that seller that just I have to over. I have to see for myself that 
this is this price. I'm not going to get this price because I fear that if I don't price it at this way, I'm leaving money on the table. Even though we all know that the market does what it wants, and if you underprice, you'll probably get a bidding war and, and get something over, and the market will dictate. But what about that seller that just absolutely seller. will not budge? What and they need to sell right and they now. Need, and they need to sell, but they, they don't want to leave money on the table. What would you, how would you handle I would, that? I would, number one, I'd say, okay, let's sit and let's give, let's look at 10 examples I'll put in front of you yeah. of five of them where they overpriced, five of them where underpriced, and let's look at the net result and let's look what's better. Right. And if you're still with that, and I can identify that because it's not just getting the most money, it's about sleeping well at night. So if you right. need to price high, Let's do a time range. Let's get it on the market very strongly in the market for four weeks. Four weeks, okay. And then, and then after that, we, we've had four open houses. We've had e blesses our campaign. Right. Then let's sit and talk. We've had this many showings as the market. It, not that we have offers, but are we getting second showings? Are we getting you know traffic? We, yeah. The right type of questions. Right. You know, they ask me. They want to see the financials. They want to see the board application. Then maybe we keep it at the price. If not, let's take action so we're only 28 days in the market where right. we're at a better price. And I would agree completely that four weeks is, is more than enough time to gather that kind of information to get that. You might not sell home in four weeks, but as a broker, you know if you're going to sell. Right. Yeah. You know what your traffic is. You know what your questions are. Right. And buyers, last thing. I know we've talked about it a bunch throughout this, this interview, but what would you tell buyers out there right now? It's a great time. If you buy a property today, mm -hmm. you're going to be happy with, with, your, with your net results. So if you look back in three years, you, you made a good deal. Right. And, you're, and, and if in, in 2022, you'll be sitting and have a cup of coffee with your friends saying, yeah, okay, I got that back in 2019. Right. Because whatever it is, and there's some buyers that, so some areas where prices probably go up 40% in the next three to five years, right. and some areas will really go up 10%. Right. Um, but there's value. But there, there'll be a value in the next couple of years. But beyond that, beyond the dollars, yeah. there's something else with this market. Buyers have a lot of control. Right. I'm not just talking about price. Mm -hmm. And not just talking about, yeah, you have more options. I'm talking about mortgage contingencies. I'm talking about let's fix this crack. Right. Let's close today. Take advantage of that because usually in a seller's market, it's you're, you're getting married on Tuesday. Sorry, you got to close that day too. Right. You know, oh, you, you're, your rate locks expiring? Screw you. Right. That's, you know, that's, that's not the case. Now, you have a lot of pull, a lot of control. Take advantage of that. It's, right. it's stressful, it's, it's difficult, it's hard buying real estate, but you can actually make a good deal, make it more pleasant now as a buyer. Yeah, I mean, listen, buyers want everything, but you know, you gotta buy when there's blood on the streets and you gotta buy when there's fear out there. That's when the leverage and the control, like you say, is in your favor. And it doesn't happen often in this market. So this has been great. This is Noah and John with Urban Digs. We got Brian Meyer here. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys.